Welcome to Mixed Company, bringing the siloed and uncomfortable conversation we have with our friends to the forefront so everyone can participate in the conversation. We say all the things you never would in Mixed Company. Welcome to Mixed Company. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Mixed Company podcast, as well as an even more special edition of Adweek's DNI TBD. Uh, you have your two hosts of Mixed Company here kind of taking over the airwaves. And I have hand quotations as I do this because I, <laughs> I sound like a super jerk jock, but it's true. So you've got Kai here. And Simeon. Um, Simeon. And we are, we're doing a couple things. We are recording this um, because there's a lot going on that we know we needed to cover on the Mixed Company podcast, but also thanks to Adweek for giving us a platform to also share our perspective on uh, recent events regarding the murders, quite frankly, of Black bodies and how it has been impacting um, Black people, all people of color, and quite frankly, at this point, all people yes. in the workplace and in the streets as folks protest. So. It should be this should be a hell of a hell of an interesting conversation. I've listened to a couple episodes um, before, and if you've listened to Mixed Company before, you know this is this is going to be very different. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately, we've been here before, and I think that's the the crazy part about all of this. We recorded an episode three years ago. Um, around similar instances. So to be here again, it's unfortunate, but there's more things that need to be said because we can't keep staying in this cycle of, I'm calling it trauma, because that's that's kind of how I feel right now. Um, so, you know, it's up to people like us who are in mass communications. I think, you know, we have a duty and a burden to, um, to help steer culture. Um, I mean, that's why we're here. That's why we, that's why we chose these, this industry. So um, I hope that this is one of those episodes where we're able to do a little bit of that. Definitely. Um, usually we start with uh, our dope shit or our ain't shit um, section of the show. But quite frankly, Sam, and I don't know about you, if you don't mind, I'd like to actually kind of just jump into the conversation. Because Let's do it. The reality is the only shit you should be talking about right now is what, what you're seeing on your social media and what you're yes. seeing on the news. And, and I feel like it's our obligation to, to, honor, um, to honor everyone uh, in that way. So let's jump into it. Basically, yeah. if you haven't heard um, and you've had, quite frankly, the luxury to live under a rock and not have access to the news, social media, a neighbor or you've just been social distancing in outer space, you may have missed that several um, Black Americans uh, have been, again, murdered at the hands of police force uh, in America. And in addition to that, um, we also most recently experienced firsthand via, via uh, cell phone recording what it's like for a black man walking around in New York City and how his blackness um, can be weaponized against him. Um, I think it's important to say their names. So I'll start at the top with Christian Cooper, um, who also we've, also we've recently found out works within the advertising industry, was the black gentleman um, bird watching in Central Park, doing his thing and just being a good citizen um, that when he 
you know, shared with a woman and uh, walking her dog without a leash in the park that she needs to put a leash on her dog. She threatened, not threatened, she actively called the police to, uh, to make them believe that he had been violently threatening her, her life. Um, And we all know what happens when most of, most of the time when black men and also black women, but black men have the police called on them. Yes. Um, The names of the people who have been murdered and, and, for those of you that may say that this is in, in poor taste, I want to be extremely clear with you. It is we need to actually just talk about things the way they are. Yes, yes, it's tragedy, but it's only a tragedy because it's murder, and it was the murder of several people, inclusive of um, a, a young man named Ahmad Arbery, a young woman named Brianna Taylor, and another uh, young man or another gentleman. Most recently, last week, um, George Floyd. Yes. And all three of these people in the span of, I mean, it's, it's, it's only like today is June, but it up until May, not even halfway through the year. And there are multi, there are hundreds, but three people on the news already that we've seen uh, being the victim of violence. And in addition to experiencing that, uh, we're also still in the midst of, of COVID-19. Yes and experiencing the trauma of having to, to change our way of life, our lifestyles, our approach to how we engage with people. Um, we, as many of you may know, Black and Latino people are extremely more impacted uh, or quite frankly die more of the virus um, than, other, than other demographics within the United States. And on top of having to protect, physically protect your life from and fight disease and physically protect your life and have to fight poverty, that comes with a lot of the people that are losing their jobs because of COVID-19. We have a series of people, we have a series of people who now have to protect their mental health because the, uh, the addition of, of the traumatic images that we receive of black bodies being violated is also something that's compounded. And then also, if I do go outside, do I have to do I have to pray that I'm not violently harassed by police? So it's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot going on with black people, and it's a lot going on with black people who work in our industry. Yeah. And I'm I'm glad you you started off like that because uh, all these issues are compounded. Um, we're we're in the middle of this pandemic, and I'll I'll start by speaking for for myself. Uh, the mental tax and stress that this moment in time has put on me as just a human person, mm-hmm. um, starting with the pandemic of not being able to to care for family members the way that I would like to um, and trying to manage elderly parents from a distance in the middle of a pandemic like that, that stress alone is is stress and we still have to make money and we still have to go to work. Um, But then when we start to bring in these recent murders, I think, and and, um, terroristic acts, because that's what I call the Amy Cooper one, um, that kind of took me out for the last couple of days and we, you know, you and I text last week, and I was like, I can't do shit. Like, I'm not in a in a headspace of 
going to any online conference or doing anything outside of the essential things that I need to do to um, to, to eat. Uh, because this time, I think it was there was something extremely uh, triggering about what happen, especially with the Ahmaud Arbery, because running is something that I do, right? right. I'm, I'm a runner. And one of the things that I do wherever I travel to, uh, and we're both avid travelers, is the morning that I wake up, I go for a run. I go and I go explore places that I've never been before. It's, it's an easy way to kind of sightsee. And being curious while you're doing that, um, I may just roll up on some, some piece of property and be curious about it. So to see that this black man was doing something that I do very casually and it resulted in him being hunted down um, like an animal basically uh, and losing his life. That kind of put me in a headspace of what the fuck is going on and, and what can I do? And right. I think for a lot of us who were stuck inside in that moment, the, the hopelessness was basically, basically became a, a cloud over our heads because it was like, well, what can we do in this moment when we're supposed to be inside trying to protect ourselves? And it, it felt hopeless. So, you know, in the context of this show, and I don't want to skip ahead, I think that's where you know, looking for responses from agencies and brands became extremely crucial. And, you know, the first episode that we recorded uh, when the pandemic started, you know, we talked about this need for leadership. We talked about wanting to be able to look someplace for some sort of, of hope or some sort of strategy. And so to be here again, three years later, uh, kind of looking for, uh, four four years later, uh, kind of looking for the same thing. Um, I feel like it's it's on us. And shout out to Adweek for giving us this platform to to be basically step into these shoes. Like we have to direct uh, leadership, whether we're talking about you know local government or or you know higher or within agencies or within brands to basically inform them what we need done so that we're not here in this same space again a couple of years later. Right. And I think so. So to get I mean, we can get into our first prompt question. Right. So like Sim said, we recorded Like Water for Chocolates, July 2016. Um, it is June 2020 and we're having similar conversations. And I think the first thing that happens when you turn on the news or you turn on social media and you, you see another black person killed at the hands of police as a working professional, yeah. right? The first thing that you think is, oh my God, not again. And I feel like that's the natural thing to do, but it also with that comes some a feeling, so much of a feeling of negativity, right? And so I think for even for us as people, as people on this podcast and that have platforms, it is important not only for us to hold people accountable, but to call out when we see change, yeah. right? You can't, you can't shame a child into doing the right thing you still have to tell them hey when you did that that was the right thing so yeah. i think this becomes our opportunity to talk about you know what are some things that we've seen different in how people how agencies and how this industry has responded to violations of to black people um now in 2020 than they did in 2016. um i would say the first thing the first, 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 first thing that I've noticed that has been huge, 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 huge um, is the number of people that I actually see reaching out to just check in 
And I can say that it's probably um, has a lot to do with us being remote. I'm sure it has a lot to do with um, uh, a lot of things, but I think that that's the most important because that was something that, you know, listening back to that episode, Sam, you talked about it. We were both sitting at our desks at different agencies and it's like, Folks out here talking about pillows. They talking about marshmallows. <laughs> what kind of cereal we gonna have for breakfast? Yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry. Did black people die today? Yes. Yeah. And so that was that's been the biggest change that I've seen is that the outreach from non-black community members, coworkers, friends, allies, etc., genuinely checking in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Agreed. I think the other thing, too, is the response has been sooner. Um, the last time when we recorded, it was a few days after, but, you know, the the source of my frustration, and I was lis- listening to it that episode today, and I realized I couldn't articulate myself the way that I wanted to because it was extremely raw. And I didn't want to, to have a vulnerable moment on the podcast because I clearly remember being at work and le- and feeling the frustration of people not acknowledging that we as a people, as a community, um, quite frankly, as a nation, because it's not just a black problem, it's an American problem, uh, were hurting. And I had to walk out of the office and go for a walk because I was like, I'm not about to be crying in front of people who, quite frankly, at this point, because I don't see you acknowledging this pain, um, I'm not going to have this moment with you because... At that point, I think the the mindset was you don't deserve. This time, I feel like what has happened because of the pandemic, because we've all been sitting in our houses and multitasking as we're working, we have the TV on, we have social media on, um, we couldn't run from it, right? So there was nothing to distract us from this this tragedy that was happening. Um, so the response has been sooner. I think the other thing that has been a little bit more um, uh, drastic from the last time is the willingness from agencies and brands to actually say racism, mm-hmm. white supremacy, and oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, those being very explicit, and you mentioned this, um, I want to say the first episode, right? Being able to actually call out the problem. So to see more brands that are basically predominantly white, run by their predominantly white brands, uh, or general market brands, being being very explicit about saying racism, white supremacy, oppression, that to me feels like a drastic change, but also a, a positive drastic change and a step in the right direction. Because once we can identify the problem and be very explicit about what's going on, now we can reference past instances and see what went wrong and what went right. Uh, instead of saying, well, I don't know what to do. How, how can we start making change? Like now you actually can say, this has been going on for, for centuries. What has been done in the past and how do we keep uh, taking steps to move forward? Right. The other thing that I, I've seen and not to, trust me, in no way am I out here kissing everybody's ass because there's a, there's a shit ton more that needs to be oh, yeah. done. But I think another thing that needs to be acknowledged to your point Sim, about naming the problem is on the news, what I've seen from the media, because I think the biggest, the biggest, the second biggest frustration I had in 2016 was 
all these people talking about, well, you don't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't riot. Why are yeah. they rioting? What, yeah. Why are they rioting? And you're just like, how, you can't hit somebody and tell them how hard to yeah. hit you back. Yeah. Okay? That's just not how that works. And I think what I've seen is more empathy from people and the news, that form of media, in addressing where the destruction is coming from. A couple things happen. So Mark, Mark Lamont Hill, who in my head is my boyfriend, that is my, that is my intellectual in my head boyfriend, right? Mark Lamont Hill um, did a video, I guess on Instagram or something, where he noted that it's important for us not to, to, to be clear in our messaging, where the riots make it seem like this is something that is um, not organized and chaotic mm -hmm. and it, it comes out of nowhere where more so of a rebellion is in response to a rebellion is in, in response to frustrations that people have not been able to through pr pr productivity have not been able to create change. What we're experiencing is rebellion. Within this rebellion, if you check on the news, they also address that the people that are causing the majority of the damage are not protesters. Yes. And that's the pro that was a huge problem last time is that these protesters are violent and destructive. And what we're finding is that that is absolutely not the case. And it is important for us to make sure that we tell the right narrative as we continue to evolve as a community to make sure that we are telling the right story and recording the right historical context. Yeah, and this is and this is where uh, diversity plays into the grand scheme of things because who you have telling the story is very important. Uh, there was a moment, uh, and Mark Levine Hill also posted, you know, this newscaster. Um, the camera is pointed at a white woman looting, and she was based, and the newscaster is basically questioning whether or not this person was an employee at the store putting. Uh, garments in her bag in the middle of the night walking out, right? So having, and it was clearly, it was clear that this woman was looting like many other people um, at that time, but having the right people at the table in the room, uh, remote, however you want to, to frame it, is extremely important in moments like these to make sure that the narratives that are being told are not one-sided and that they're inclusive and that they're also empathetic to the situation that's going on. Right. Um, I think it's time for us to take a bit of a break because I heard on this show they've got, they've got, They've got sponsors and things. So <laughs> we're going to pause really quickly and come back to the, to the conversation. Uh, BRB. Okay. And we are back. Um, and it's actually fun to say that when you actually know at this point, you're, you're actually back and not just taking a break. Wine, beer, and water. Do you know something funny? I realized this morning that we actually used to take breaks. <laughs> you, did. you did. We used to, we used to take breaks. Like, okay. There was a little yeah. musical break, and I was like, "Oh shit, I forgot about that." Yeah, no, that was a that was a thing. Um, but we actually are back, and we're just continuing on our conversation um, around essentially what's changed. So we talked about what's changed. There's a lot of things that have changed and I think that they're very impactful. And if you, you as an ally, as a person who may not have felt as comfortable in 2016, but you have acquired all of the, all of your ally tools and your toolbox and you've been using them, I want you to know that it, it is seen. 
you mm -hmm. are seen and you are appreciated for what you've done. Um, but we wouldn't be mixed company if we weren't here to talk about the shit that you really need to know, right. which is what else do you need to do? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's the important shit too, right? There is that, uh, using the tools and not just talking about the tools or calling yourself an ally. Um, we want to see shit being done, right? Like this is not the time to just simply be retweeting. And I think one of the, the key things is this time around, I think more people are realizing that there is something that they can do from the comfort of their home or, or the comfort of their office or wherever the case, whatever the case may be. But we are looking for action from people who are calling themselves allies. A hundred percent. Um, or just action period. Even, yeah. even, even if the reality is you don't really mess with black people, then, then at least be overt about that. Like, yes. let's try that. Um, one of the things that, one of the things that we are seeing, which I'm kind of on the fence about is the number of brands that are on their social media and on their web pages, um, expressing their solidarity with black Americans, which on one hand, could be a good thing, right? Yeah. I think the problem that I see, the challenge, the opportunity, as we would say if we're in the workplace, right? Because you, mm -hmm. you don't want to be negative. Um, is to put your money where your mouth is. Yes. And I know this is challenging because of COVID. And, and the, the reality is that COVID is the wrench that we didn't need in all of this. Right. Or vice versa. Maybe murder is the wrench we didn't need in all of this, right? I don't know. It depends Both. on how you see the situation. Yeah. But with COVID, it, we are restricted in how we can contribute. But for those brands that are putting up those media dollars to amplify those social posts and you're hiring and you're asking your, your copywriter to stay up an extra four hours so that they could get your messaging out within a couple, you know, within a, an appropriate time frame, like nobody, nobody gives a damn if you stand with black people, if we can't see you standing with black people. Yes. Nobody I'm, actually, I'm not finished. Yeah. Nobody actually cares if you appreciate your black coworkers, but you're not telling them to take a day off. Like, like legit, like people are crying on calls. People are, 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 are experiencing PTSD on your Zoom calls. And for every time you just post something and you don't acknowledge the people that work for you, because we know the people at the top are white. So the people that work for you on a day-to-day -day basis that put in their hours and they do everything they can to make your business more profitable, if you want to see them, I'm going to need you to see them. And you need to that you need to ensure that they are taking care of their mental health. That means that they need a break. They have experienced a lot in the last, we all have experienced a lot, but your black employees have experienced even more. Yeah. Acknowledge that. The other thing that you need to do, that these companies need to do is put that money towards something productive. Is, are you, are you donating money for bail funds? Are you donating money to these GoFundMes for these people that have passed away recently? Are you taking this as an opportunity to identify how you can invest more money into making sure that you are able to retain your black employees? Like put your money where your mouth is because nobody gives a fuck about your social media, anything, if all that's going to be is the one post you made in 2020 to acknowledge it and 2021 rolls around and you forgot. 
Yeah, and I think the the biggest thing that I've been thinking about over the last couple of days is when we start talking about approaches, what I need for agencies and brands to realize is that this is a, this is a systemic problem, and so it's going to require a systematic solution, right? We can't just say like one one this one thing or this one action is going to be the the band aid or or the thing that makes everything better. Like you have to approach this from different angles. So that means talking to your clients and seeing what it is that they can do. So to your point, whether it's donating to, you know, bail funds or supporting organizations like Black Lives Matter, but then also at the same time, remembering that the people who are also affected by this are your employees and how can you support them in a moment like right now, right? What is it that they actually need? And sometimes it may be as simple as, don't ask your employees to do the emotional labor of explaining to you why this is so traumatic, right? Like that in and of itself is, is, is something that, and I was listening to the, to the episode earlier and I was re, re, starting to realize that I said on there, I didn't feel like teaching. I was in, in a teaching mood. And I think now I'm able to articulate myself a little bit better and say, well, th- what I didn't want to do was have to sit there and educate you while I'm in pain, while I'm hurting, right? That is, that is a burden in and of itself to then look at me and go, well, I need you to speak for all these black people in your moment of, of grief, because that's what it is. Like, we're, we're grieving uh, to not feel safe in a space where you should feel space is, is a moment of, of grief, and you have to grieve through that. So being able to understand that there are going to be multiple solutions that you're going to have to activate at the same time to make sure that you're effective and to make sure that we, who you say that you want, this, this goes back to the essence of this podcast about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we, who you say that you want at your table, at your company, uh, working on your solutions, want to feel like you see us as whole human beings that are are capable of doing the work, but we have emotions and feelings and we need to be cognizant of our own mental health while we're doing this work for you. Right. And I addressed that in my blog post that I posted Thursday, Wednesday night, Thursday, something like that, um, on, on my blog, mylifeakai.com, where I titled it, I Just Can't, period. I'm tired. Um, and the reality is, the reality is you wouldn't, to Simeon's point, we are going through trauma. We are experiencing the pain. We are in the hospital right now. We're on our way to the hospital right now. We're not even in the hospital right now. So the reality is this shouldn't be the impetus of of when you you find out what it is black people are feeling. If you are constantly doing that, what do we say? Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. If you're constantly educating yourself and constantly pulling in thought leaders to to help, you know, address things and constantly having conversations and constantly putting yourself in your or, or your organization in situations where you have to learn more about the culture that we appropriate so frequently in yes. this business, then when we get to these moments, you wouldn't have to ask us. And there are many of us, there are, there are plenty of people who are 100% in a headspace where they can uh, give to these conversations and they can teach and they can advise and, and amplify 
But many of us, especially those who've been doing this for years, are tired. Yes. I literally, I literally talk about being black the majority of my year. The day that I don't want to talk about being black is the day it hurts. Yes. And I feel like that's something that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. Um, and, and that's such a, a great point. Um, I was writing something for somebody the other day and the, the core of it was about rest. And that's what I felt like I had to do last week. I couldn't basically take a, take a day off from being black and explaining to somebody why this is traumatic, explaining to people why, why this hurts and why I'm not functioning at a hundred percent. And I think that is, that is key for, for the people who we report, report to or work with to understand that in these moments, a lot of us are not functioning at 100% because we need a moment to actually gather ourselves and take a mental break from the trauma that, that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, calling out, like I said earlier, there are brands that are speaking out against everything that is going on. Uh, namely, obviously, the big splash that happened Friday was Nike. Mm-hmm. Um, Nike released their... Um, basically the opposite of just do it. It's for once, don't do it campaign um, that calls specifically calls out racism, calls out all of these things and stands with the black community. And I think that's great. And I will continue to be this person. I'm not going to lie. I still buy Nike. I love, I love the Kaepernick ads and campaigns. I love all of that. But the reality is like y'all need to take care of home too. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's the, the, there's just so many businesses. Who else? Uh, Reebok put out theirs yeah. as well, where it's saying that without the black community, Reebok would not exist. But Reebok themselves, I get that they're part of Adidas, whatever. Reebok themselves had to be reminded that you don't look like you stand with the black community. Yeah. Everybody you send for this Beyonce pitch don't look like the black community. Yeah. Um, YouTube was another one where it's like yes. Thank you for putting your money where your mouth is. Thank you for saying it. But it's like, you got to keep your house clean. You got to, this has to be a lifestyle. Yes. It's not just the thing you do because today is Black People Day. You have to, as a business, you have to, as a business, go through and make sure that you're keeping your house in order. So YouTube is standing in solidarity against racism and violence. But we know that that's not true because on YouTube is where I can go and find the most racism and violence towards black people. And I'm not here for, for, for censoring, but I am saying acknowledge where you are. Your allyship needs to be authentic to where you are, not only to where you want to be on this issue. Yeah. I mean, and to that point, I think there are two brands that, um, that come to mind. Uh, I'll start with the ancient first. So the ancient one would probably be Amazon, right? So Amazon, like these other brands, have come out um, in the last couple of days pledging their allegiance to um, to black issues or issues that are, are are you know tragically affecting the black community. But at the same time, when you you know flashback a couple of weeks ago, and you know they had their employee Chris Smalls who was trying to rally other employees, um, predominantly of color, who work in their warehouse to um, to come together to basically get Amazon to act um, and pr- to put in place safety measures for COVID. 
they fired him, right? So you have to look at, when you talk about keeping your house clean, like all of those things matter. They're all interconnected. So once you start talking about racism, you have to talk about it being a systemic issue. So you can say that Black Lives Matter, but you have to understand that all aspects of Black Lives Matter. So in the same vein, I, I hear everybody talking um, and putting their money where their mouth is. But quite frankly, one of the only brands that I've seen actually like step up and actually do something is Glossier. So donating a million dollars, 500K to um, organizations that are in place and working actively to dismantle systemic racism like Black Lives Matter, and then donating another 500K to Black-owned um, beauty businesses that are being drastically affected in the middle of COVID. That is the type of stuff that we're looking for, that I'm looking for from, from brands, right? So it's making the statement, denouncing racism, denouncing systematic race, systemic racism, denouncing uh, historic oppression, but then also using your resources and using the things that you actually have readily available to to foster that dismantling and to not just um, call for justice, but put things in place for restorative justice so that you're, you're actually helping people get what they need and a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily go on the hook and say that Glossier is doing it right because they need to get their shit together too internally. However, I think, I think, the, ex, I think the point to make here is that the external... Um, I'm about to hear New York City in the back, but the external examples of support are right. great. But specifically for what we talk about on this platform, what would be even more important is if you got your shit together on a consistent basis yes. and not just when you're, it's slapped in your face because we're all, we all now have to cope with black bodies being marred. Right. Um, so that's something, but I think you, I mean, you bring up a good question, Sim, you bring up a good question and that is, that is, you know, do, does advertising, cause that's does advertising, entertainment, culture, communications, function, functioning businesses, do they actually believe Black Lives Matter? And I was thinking about this question all night because I knew that we were going to have this conversation. And the reality is it depends on in what capacity we're talking yes. about, right? It's situational. It is situational. It's conditional. It's a conditional caring of, of Black lives. It's a conditional mattering of Black life. And we know that Black life 100% matters at the... Um, at the, the, the cultural level, but only as it pertains to commerce, mm. right? So as long as we can, as long as we can make money off of blackness, as long as we can exploit it, whether it's good exploitation or the exploitation that comes to mind when we say the word, mm -hmm. as long as we can exploit it, we know that black life matters. Black life matters. It, it, through commerce because it's fun, it sells, the music is catchy, the clothes are cool, the, the influencers are, 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 are lit, like whatever you want to call it, the slang terms help to make our copy jazzier, all that shit, all that shit, it matters. Yes. Right? I find that black life also matters when it gives us an opportunity to get an award for it. Black life matters when you are the first agency or the first holding company 
or the first tech company to have your first inclusion leader, which is usually a person of color, usually a black person that is of color, usually a woman that you're able to put up on your screen and send out your, 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 you know, your press releases to say, Hey, we, we hired one of the, we hired one of the, the, the important blacks. Yeah. That's when black life matters. And then you go on to accept, you know, your, your advertising uh, DNI awards and you go on to do the, the panel circuit and the conference circuit. And yet still people are turning up with horrific experiences that they are now able to share on social media about what their experiences have been working with in your organizations. Yeah. So it matters on the outside. It matters at a surface level. But when we get to the root of just life mattering in general, to me, that is when I find that we can, in advertising, there's a sense that we can do without, we can do without black life at a, at a rooted level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thousand percent. Um, I know we're about to go to break soon, uh, so I'll just make this point really quick. The the to that point, um, and I've had to experience this working at an agency um, in the middle of, of of experiencing some of the worst experiences that I've had professionally, um, and sitting at an agency all staff and hearing them get on stage and talk about all their diversity and inclusion stuff. And to then sit in a room with the CEO and go, this is not real because this is how I feel. This is, this is the way that you make me feel. And them going, well, eh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't agree, right? So there, this conditional mattering of Black people, our experiences, what we bring to the table, it's felt. And I think the, the protests that are happening right now are the prime example of, of, of how people feel that this mattering is conditional, right? We feel that it's conditional when you want our dollars. We feel that it's conditional when you want our coal. We feel that it's conditional when you want to move into our neighborhoods and you're waiting for us to move out. It's, it's always conditional. And so what I interpret the, some of this protesting to be, because we can't speak for everybody. Everybody shows up um, with their own experiences that they bring to the table is moving forward, we're, we're only going to accept what you're selling or what you're saying as truth if all, all of me matters. Like, nothing's going to be compartmentalized. Everything has to matter if you want us to be on board with what you're selling. Yep. Um, so let's go ahead and, on that note, take a break just to <laughs> for us to grab some water, <laughs> but also to make sure that you guys, that, uh, that uh, DNI TBD is able to pay some bills. So... Um, yeah, we'll be back. All right. So we're back. Um, and, you know, before we went to break, our, our big question together was more so, you know, do Black Lives Matter in advertising? Um, and I think... It's, it's funny sometimes. I feel like on the when we recorded, when we talked about the murders in 2016, I feel like I feel like we were just in a different place. Oh yeah, one thousand percent. I know I was. I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like I don't know what it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because we're not. Like maybe if we recorded this last week, I would have. I would have fallen apart. 
I would have I, 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 I told you no. <laughs> I and I would, and no. I would have appreciated it. <laughs> Last week wasn't a good time when things were, when we were in the midst of it. But I think even how we're describing it now, I, I can feel like there are boundaries that even we've set for ourselves. And I feel like, you know, when we as Black employees, whether you identify as African-American, Caribbean, American, Afro-Latino, in America, whatever. Like, if you have dark skin in the United States and you go to work after these things happen and people start to ask you, well, what should I do? We don't, like, it's almost like, I don't know what to tell you to do. I didn't start this shit. You know, I wasn't, I didn't get born and be like, "Mm, do you mind throwing a little bit more oppression at me, please? Like, it's not that. But I think that even where we're coming from, Sim, like, my my biggest concern this time around is not about the brands and the agencies because quite frankly you know let's say god forbid this happens in another year two three four five whatever we'll be here again having very similar conversation and and not enough people are telling black people to protect their to protect themselves yeah and i feel like maybe that's why i feel like our conversation is different because that was the first thing that we needed to do was to take that moment to say, you know what? I can't, I can't talk to you. And I I guess I want anybody who is black or who is of color or who has felt like they've gone through something traumatic, regardless of how you look to know that you have to come first. You can't give your job a hundred percent. If you're not feeling, if you're not feeling 110%, because you still got to have a hundred percent for you. And so this time around, it's kind of like, I appreciate the break that we took. Mm-hmm. I appreciate today. Technically, we're doing this on what's supposed to be my day off. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, my, uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I also appreciate that the both of us have opted to not, like, I appreciate every text message that I've received, but I can't answer all of them in the moment that you send them. Yeah. And, like, I think, I think it's important for us as a platform to also tell people, how do you, how do you cope? And I think the, the coping, since you have to do that for yourself right now, is to put yourself first. Yes. The work is still going to be there, whether you attempt to try to do it today or not. Yeah. And like, it's really important for us to do that. I mean, the, the coping for me was a mental rest. Um, and it started with once, the, once I realized that there was a video, and I heard the story before I saw the video um, for Ahmad, um, once I heard that story... I got off the internet because I could not risk seeing a black person be murdered doing something that I do so casually and have done so casually uh, for pretty much all of my adult life. Um, And so part of this, for me, this idea of resting means like, yo, you just have to take a break from the things that you know are going to trigger you and put you into a space of of despair because my my biggest concern last week was I needed to be present for a family crisis Mm -hmm. and I knew that if I watched that video and I watched the video of George Floyd which I have not um that it was going to put me in a headspace where I could not function and be the the child that is responsible for my father's care right so these this whole moment in time, and I think that's the thing that has been, um, I've been keeping top of mind, everything's been compounded. So from COVID to these murders, it is 
to be very transparent, it is a, a cloud that is over our head like daily, all day. We can't avoid uh, this new cycle, whether we go on social media or we're just watching TV, like we can't avoid it. So my thing has been to be very strategic about disconnecting from things that I know could trigger me and put me into a headspace. And so, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, employers giving their employees a moment even though we're remote, we're work, working remotely, I feel like that is something that employers could do. Giving people a half day or a day off to um, to gather themselves and process what's going on. It may sound like something big, but it could be the the game changer for why somebody wants to continue working with you, right? And we we also talk we talk about retention on the show a lot, and we remember these moments in time. Like we remember what happens with our employers when things like this happen. And we talked about on that episode where I remember the lack of response from two agencies when Charleston happened, when Alton Sterling happened. I remember the lack of response. And while I'm not going to say that was a determining factor for, for why I left those agencies, it definitely contributed to how I perceived those agencies. Right. And I would I would even go further to say, like, I don't think you should just give somebody a day off. I don't I don't think that I don't think that that is it. And I'll tell you why. When it was hitting people last Tuesday and people were calling me crying, it hadn't hit me. It hadn't. That wasn't the day that I needed the break. Mm. The days I needed the break was Thursday and Friday. That is when I was in tears. And I was reliving, you know, if you listen from episode six, I was reliving the moment where my brother had been beaten by police and kicked out of school in the same moment. My brother has still not gone back to college since. That is traumatic, you know? And I think that we, in general, I think that what we need from our agencies and our organizations and our businesses is for you as leaders to set the example and to encourage people to take the time they have. We have sick days. This is this is a sickness. This is a pandemic within a pandemic. Globally, black people die at the hands of law enforcement and at the hands of COVID-19 in a disproportionate way. Mm. That it is a pandemic within a pandemic. You, you go ahead and remind your employees that this is what they have sick days for. This is what they have personal days for. Right. Not even their vacation days. Don't even, don't even give them the, the, don't even talk about the vacation days. Give them their sick days. This encourage them to take a sick day because this is a mental health issue as well as encourage them to not take away the time for themselves. They need to recover. You need them at their best and they need to be at their best. Um, one of the things that I've seen and, and, um, and think is important is that was just posted before we started recording was, um, you know, a headline on ad week right now, agencies face a huge obstacle in responding to racism, their own failure to act. Mm. And I think the most important thing is that it is the action, not the activity in response but it is the proactive and continuous action 
that will be necessary to retain your employees. We are in a crisis. Just as much as you don't want to spend the money to go and find new people and then to not look crazy because you're replacing all of your black people with 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 white people. That and now we're we're back in you know 2007 again. That part. Keep the people that you have. These yes. are good people that want to work. They have families that generationally they have to take care of because many of us are the first ones to have any sense of financial stability in our families. Because of racism. Because of racism. So make sure that you keep those people. So instead of them having to put a gap in the time that they're able to provide for their extended families, ensure that they're taking their mental health break. Make sure that you're not only talking about blackness when it's in the in the negative term of blackness dying. Let's have these conversations beyond February and beyond murders. Um, other things that could be helpful from, from agencies. Stop expecting us to be the ones to tell you what to do. Yeah. We didn't build the company. Yeah, black people built the United States of America, but they didn't build these companies. Yeah. So therefore, as you are, as, as you, your mentors, et cetera, whomever, the existence of your lineage is responsible for the development of this industry, you be the one to put the, the, the foot down. The other thing that I think is even more important is that people, what people don't understand, it's not just the people at the very top that are the ones that are problematic. I know too many CEOs and too many executives that feel deeply about caring for their people. Yes. But the reality is your people right beneath you do not share the same values, bro. Yes. Yes. And it is important for you to get them on board because the reality is that's what's prohibiting a lot of the change. You keep saying yes. you don't know what's wrong. Well, then I need you to look to your left, look to your right. We could take this to church. I need you to say neighbor, yes. neighbor. I need you to get your shit together. And that's what's, and that's what's important. And you know what? Uh, to that point, um, I think that's why the Amy Cooper uh, situation like oh, yeah. hit the way hit the way that it did for me because we've talked about this on the show before. Like I we've both sat about all of this on the show. Before. Yes, we have. Like y'all need just need to go back and listen, right? We've talked about sitting across from CEOs and hearing their commitment and and feeling their genuine words and going, cool, but what about them? Right? Like there are Amy Coopers at your agency. I, I need you to, I, I just want to say that. I want that to sink in. There are Amy Coopers on your team. Yes. There are Amy Coopers in charge yes. of your internal and external communications. There are yes. Amy Coopers that are in charge of your door, your, your office managers yes. and receptionists. There are Amy Coopers at your mid-level that basically manage the majority of black people that work for your company yes. are at the mid-level. So they're being managed by your Amy Coopers. And that's where we, we need to focus our attention. And, and I'll, I'll just even, I'm not gonna say which agency, but there was an agency where I worked at having a conversation with HR and basically being very candid about racism and, and not just saying, you're racist or this is racist, but saying this is how racism manifests in liberal spaces, right? Because we can talk about the overt racism and, and the N-word and redlining and things of those natures, but it's the, it's the subtle everyday racism that keeps us in this, in this um, dire cycle. And so I remember sitting there talking to HR and 
she started crying. And I said, all I'm doing is asking you to, to advocate for me the same way that you advocate for my white coworkers. And I remember I was one who was chastised, right? Having a very candid conversation and trying to hold someone accountable. And by the way, this is the theme, right? We, we are trying to hold people accountable, right? That is the, the essence of the protest, of the unrest. We oh, want people okay. held accountable. And I remember her crying and I said, I'm trying to understand what is it that is making you cry in this moment? Because all I'm trying to do is hold you accountable the same way that you're trying to hold me accountable. And I was the one who was chastised. I'm saying this to say that we really have to start understanding or agencies and the people who are in charge, the people who are leaders, the people who um, are part of HR teams really have to understand how racism shows up in these spaces on a day-to-day basis. It is not by accident that your office is predominantly white. It is not by accident that your office is predominantly male. These are, are systemic issues that have been going on for years and years and years and years. And what we're trying to do is figure, or, or we want, what, you, what we want you to do is, is to take these words that we're saying to heart and really think about how you can create solutions that are sustainable and impactful. 100%. The other thing, um, and and then we can close after this, is I just wanted to um, share like the 10 things for those of you that are mid-level managers um, at agencies and are looking for ways to support your your Black colleagues and your um, the, the Black people that report to you. I think it's important to do a few things, is to continue to self-educate. Yes. Um, this, I mean, it's almost why we go to college. Like you don't, or, 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 or why you study anything. It's why you went to middle school, elementary school, high school, whatever, whatever schooling that you've had. You have to take the time and energy to educate yourself. You can't go through the world just asking people for their opinion on things. Develop your own because it is exhausting for us to have these conversations. Like Simeon just said, we talk about this on the show all the time. Yes. Um, it's also how you get comfortable talking about these topics. And on the, on the you know, stance of being comfortable, it's that you, especially if you are white, need to have these hard conversations amongst yourself. Somebody, somebody on Twitter had uh, the gracious audacity to tell me, well, it's enough time, to, it's enough of having hard conversations. No, sis. It's enough of me having the hard conversations. You clearly, in response to what I wrote, did not even read it, and therefore yes. you not had a hard conversation. Yes. Like the same way we talk amongst ourselves about this and, and what we need, we need you to have these conversations with your other coworkers that you see that are acting in a way that is inappropriate or, or uh, not inclusive or uh, without empathy. Yes. Uh, we also need you to be the ones to take that information back to your networks. Um, it's not about us teaching you how to treat Black people right. That's not what this is. No. Um, we need you to continue to support Black and Brown. I said businesses in my blog post, but support Black and Brown uh, employees. Yeah. Got to advocate for them right now. Like it, when, if we lo- when we lose our jobs during all of this, it impacts not just us, but several generations of people yeah. who depend on us. It's a snowball effect. And so I, 
just to like expand on that, but I mean, it's it's employees, it's your contractors, it's your freelancers, it's right. your vendors. All of those things, when you start talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you need a strategy for all of those. Yep. Those are all intertwined. It's all part of the system. And so if, this, if you're acknowledging that the system is broken and you're looking for solutions, you have to include those factors and those solutions. Right. Um, we also absolutely need you guys to check in on your Black employees, coworkers, vendors, et cetera. And when you check in on them, I'm going to need you to, to, to be the most selfless you've ever been and offer them a moment to themselves. Yes. Offer them their time. You know, if you have personal days, sick days, you should take one. Yes. That is the biggest gift you can give anybody that is black right now that you work with space and time to recover. And finances. Um, and finances, but more so the space. Like, if when, when we're not in a good space, we can't do shit with our money anyway. Yeah, very we true. Have, we have to have our, our, our mental health on par. Um, when you are engaging with your black men that work with you, I need you to critically think about how you speak to them and how you approach them. Critically think about it. Just the same way that people could say, well, you know, this black man, I found him intimidating. White women, I need you to understand that black men find you the most intimidating, period. Period. That's a whole other show. (laughs) That's a whole other show, but you are even more intimidating to a black man than they than, than you than I've heard women describe that black men are intimidated to them. So critically think and be empathetic about how you engage with black men. Um, and then the last thing I would say is that you need to respect our pain. If you hear from a black coworker that they are in distress, you don't need to know why. You don't need to understand why. You don't need to try to find a moment where you can put your feet into their shoes and be like, yeah, I kind of felt like that at this. It's not about that. What you need to do is just respect that people are hurting and respect that they need space and give them time to heal. And that's all, that's all I got to say. Yeah. I mean, I'm 1000% with all of that. I mean, the other thing would just be like, once you, and I guess I would use this as, as we're closing to just shout out uh, Adweek, um, lend your platform, right? So when you do identify people who are in the right headspace to do the necessary work that needs to be done to make change, make sure that you're giving them the platform and you're not leaving it up to them to amplify this message that needs to permeate within your network. Right. Most black and brown people know. We already preached to the choir. We already know what's up. Yeah, this is this is this is for us in in some aspects because it's um, it's a tool of solidarity. But we need you to to spread this to spread this message, and then just in general, we need you on the front lines. I think that is the part of the key thing that is necessary in this moment. Things change. And I've said this on the show before, when we are able to come to the table with an ally who is well-informed, well-intentioned, and knows exactly how to navigate the system. So making sure that you're really showing up in ways that are tangible for your Black employees, for the people in, their, in, in your network, for your vendors, whoever it may be, like, we're looking for you to show up. This time, it's not going to be enough that you tweet. We need more than a tweet. We need you to actually act. 100%. So with that, we'll go ahead and close out. 
Um, thank you guys for listening. If you want to find Mixed Company Podcasts, you can do that on all of the streaming platforms, yes. including iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Um, and you can Play. follow us on yeah. Google Play, and then you can find us on all the social medias at Ask Mixed Company. Um, so we'll holla. Peace out. Peace out.